Hey, what's going on? Get your headphones out, because, you know, it's a little quieter today. We were sharing a microphone, but my mom, Nikki, is here in Colombia, and it is amazing. And we just talk about her time here, and really, whatever we talk about, we I don't have a great example. We just talk and talk, so enjoy. It's great. Have a great week. Reluctant vegan Okay, what is going on, people? Still got to figure out that catchphrase. The catchphrase from last week was catchphrase, if I remember. Uh, Every time I think of when people say Shibuya or something, but too many of people have used that, so that's probably copyrightable. But maybe I don't want to be copyrighted with my catchphrase is going to be my catchphrase for this week. What do you think? Uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Okay. And I have my special guest here, uh, Nikki, my mom. She has come to Colombia. Woo-woo! Yeah. <laughs> uh, for this episode of the currently still called Reluctant Vegan Sun podcast. Pending name change, uh, if you have ideas. But I'm going to come up with it. I'm going to keep doing coming up with it. But you're here on the Reluctant Vegan Sun podcast. Once again, and for people who don't know, the first episodes of the Reluctant Vegan Sun podcast, more like the first 50 episodes of the Reluctant Vegan Sun podcast, <laughs> when it was still, well, I guess it still is, is with Nikki. Majority. Major, majority? The majority. Majority. There yeah. we go. Woo-woo. So, Yeah. And I apologize. Well, there's no need to apologize, but we have one mic that's not picking up much in between two of us. So we are going to try our absolute best to speak as loud as possible, or at least as into the mic as possible. And try our absolute best in general. Yeah, we always try our best. That is true. We're best triers. And it's about the best you can be. Like, you know, not every day you're going to be your best. It's not, I would be lying if I say every podcast of the, of the show is me at my best. But it is me trying to be at my best at that time. And sometimes it's just harder to get to the absolute best you can. Maybe. Yeah. No, no I, I totally hear you. I, I think that's why, remember that high five habit? I don't know if you talk to people about the high five habit. No. Yeah, well, it was something that was um, created by this woman named Mel Robbins. And basically, when you wake up in the morning, sometimes you don't feel your best. You just feel like a piece of shit, actually. And there's a way that if you high five yourself in the morning, you feel better. There's something about that high five that happens between basketball players or sports players, but it's been scientifically shown to elevate your mood. So if you're feeling crappy, high five yourself in the mirror and do the high five habit. Is it the high five or is it the slap on the ass? Because a lot of sports players also slap the ass (laughs) and it's only when they do something well they do that. Well, maybe not well. Because like when a pitcher gets taken out of a game, they're like, here you go. And then they little butt tap, little slap on the ass. I I mean, I tried to slap myself on the ass and it didn't make me feel quite so elevated or good. Actually, it felt like I was being scolded for something. So I don't know what the ass slap is between guys. What do you you think it is? It's a good job. It's a good job. Mm -hmm. Same thing. You know, it's a high five, but you're like, you know, slap ass. 
Yeah, but but something about slapping your own ass just doesn't seem like it has that same message of good job. Let me slap my butt. Well, it's difficult to see in the mirror. You have to be at a particular <laughs> angle to really do it. I mean, part of the high five is you are high fiving yourself. That's true. You're able to kind of see that. So maybe you have to slap the mirror with your ass facing it. <laughs> I like the idea of slapping the mirror with my ass facing it but my mirror is like at the back of a sink so I would have to like jump on the sink and shimmy my butt back and do a little butt slap exactly (laughs) it's just you got to be creative maybe starting your day with the creativity yeah I think just actually trying that would probably make me giggle so I I I don't mind that idea I'm I'm gonna try that at some point Mm -hmm. well you also have like a full length mirror in your room so yeah, I don't have a full-length mirror in my room. Yeah, you do. Talking about my room in Nome or my room in, in New, York? New York? Yeah, there's a full-length mirror. The closet has a mirror. Yeah. That's true. I could butt slap there. Exactly. You don't have to <laughs> shimmy onto the sink. Well, because if I shimmy on the sink, I always get the sink wet, and I'm constantly, like, wet. Like, every time I lean up to high-five myself, I get, like, you know, kind of the bottom of my belly wet with leaning against the sink. Interesting. Not even going to comment on that. (laughs) What's to comment on? (laughs) Where does your mind go? Nothing. (laughs) Thank you. Anyways, high-fiving yourself, I guess, evidently. But, like, let's say you're tired or you're not feeling as good, right? Like, I understand your start to the day, but not everybody does everything at, let's say, 6 in the morning like you do. Or when do you wake up? Uh, It depends. When I'm first back in Nome, Alaska, it's four hours behind. So I get up at a nice and early 4.30 a.m. Mm -hmm. Just because that's the 8.30 New York time. Uh, But generally I'm up about six. I have a morning routine and I love my morning routine. And it kind of changes the whole way the day looks. So if I wake up in a crappy mood, I can switch it around. I don't have to stay in the crappy mood that I somehow woke up with. Yeah, That makes sense. But what I'm saying is, let's say you're at 6 a.m., you're high-fiving yourself. How long does the euphoria of the high-five last? (laughs) Like, let's say you come back. We're recording this podcast at around 5 p.m. Your high-five is going to last you till 5 p.m.? You're still going to have energy and be happy and do all that stuff? Well, no, my high-five kind of like starts my day, and then I have the start of the day in this good mood, which just perpetuates more good mood. It's like a compounding effect. So the high five is just the beginning of the goodness. And then the goodness continues or not. And it's still okay. That's true. It is okay. Guess if it makes you like, how much better do you have to feel to want to high five yourself every day (laughs) is the question. I I think you have to feel better enough, but now it's become a habit. So I just read that book, Atomic Habits, and there's something about how good enough it made me feel that the reward was still worth it. And then I just have this habit of doing it now. So I do it after I brush my teeth. So I kind of stack the habits on things that I do normally. So I brush my teeth. Actually, I make my bed, I brush my teeth, and then I high five myself. One other thing in the Atomic Habits book is brush your teeth. The book for adults is telling you to brush no. your teeth every... <laughs> no, no. It's it's the habit stacking thing where you kind of add a habit to something that you normally do or normally have a habit of. So most people are brushing their teeth, even though I'm really bad and only brush mine once a day. But but I do brush my teeth. I can attest to that. I'm smelling her breath right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because no, we're kidding. around this one damn mic. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't smell that bad, just a little. Oh, does it really smell a little no, bad? No, it's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> joking. <laughs> I mean, what's life if you can't, like, kid around with your mom? Exactly. Well, maybe people don't feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe not everybody is confident in their mom. We were talking about this on the way home, how it. I feel like I have more confidence myself and currently... And the more confidence I seem to have, the less I'm embarrassed or the more confidence I have in my mom. Yeah, that's so interesting because I feel like where you were embarrassed by me was just a mirror of your own embarrassment for yourself. So it really didn't have that much to do with me because I've always been pretty thoughtful and and fun and great. Is that not true? Yeah, definitely. Right. But then, I mean... I don't know. I thought it was embarrassing for you to when you perform, obviously. I mean, that's to me. It's not an embarrassing thing. It's weird how in my brain, connected to my mom, it's embarrassing. But you see so many other people performing stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. What about me performing? Was it like me in front of people? Like, what was embarrassing for you? I don't know. It's just... I mean, it'd be a good thing to think about because I think a lot of us are embarrassed by our parents for whatever reason. And I think they represent something we're trying to stay a little bit distant from for whatever reason. And then also the mirror of what we're embarrassed about for ourselves. I guess I was embarrassed kind of by you doing it. Not you. Like, I love when you receive like applause and like I always said that you're just an amazing person and stuff. It's not anything about that i guess it's the physical action that somehow is like oh my mom shouldn't be doing that so it shouldn't be so visible not visible just i don't see you don't see moms dancing or really singing much or like really having so much fun maybe i'm wrong I i mean that might be true i mean a lot of people don't actually have a lot of fun as they get older and I'm really trying to figure out how to promote lots of fun and lots of play so that people could stay really close and connected, you know, and really build up their relationship. And through the fun and play, you know, then people get closer and the kids get closer and probably won't engage in as much high risk behavior. Mm-hmm. Maybe some, but, but, you know, still always coming back. Like you always feel completely connected to me, even if you're far away. Yeah. Yeah. So. I do feel connected. Though it's interesting because like you were coming and I'm excited and I want to see you obviously, but I'm not like visibly excited, if that makes sense. Like you can't tell I'm excited or I'm not like outwardly overjoyed even though I am. Like I don't show like I wasn't like freaking out that you were coming, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. But but why do you think, and I want you to dig deep, that you weren't visibly excited. Like, you don't get visibly excited in general. That's what I think it is. Yeah, but why? Because Daddy doesn't get visibly excited either, and we are constantly on him for that, especially Lily, Adam's sister, my daughter, who needs a lot of reassurance, and she does a lot of very visible things and big things. She's a singer and a dancer. And Ted, you know, Adam's dad just doesn't show that stuff. Like, he barely, you could barely tell that he enjoyed it. So it sounds genetic, (laughs) is what I am hearing from this. Or maybe learned from that parent. No, but that's a different type of excitement. Like, if I see something really good, like if you did something really good, I'm very supportive and and I will say that that's very good. Like, maybe I won't necessarily be over the top. Oh my God, it's the best thing I've ever seen. But I am visibly excited on that. It's 
the you coming or something like the things beforehand that I'm not like visibly excited for. And I guess it's just because I'm like, because I know I'm going to have fun because I have fun anyways. Yeah, we had like great time. so much fun when we went to Bogota. Like, Tell them about the fun we had. We we are. We're going to get there. But right now we're oh. on why I'm not visibly excited. We <laughs> got time. It's, this <laughs> podcast may go a little longer. We'll see. But Oops. I don't know. Look at me directing things. Yeah. It's a parent directing podcast. things. Your podcast. This is the I'm issue. very sorry. This is why I went solo. It's not because she left me. It's, because <laughs> it's I not because I moved to Alaska or no, anything. No, it's not. It's because, <laughs> you know. <it's>, oh. <laughs> oh, God. Because I'm fucking a control freak when exactly. it comes to podcasts especially because she has a book called shut up and listen and that tells you that she's a control freak as a mom when she's telling you be quiet you know mm-hmm. the typical control freak uh, <laughs> nature so it's shut up and act dumb oh so <laughs> which really fault. is about shut up and listen <laughs> exactly <laughs> look you made a mistake i did i'm dumb it's perfect I'm, i don't even need to read the no i'm supposed to be the dumb one not you you're never the dumb one and and dumb doesn't mean stupid yeah I mean, dumb just means like not assume that i know everything and i'm curious and interested and listen more than i speak which clearly i am not doing at this point I also think that there's not, I don't want to call everybody stupid, but there might be a little stupidity in everybody. Well, what does stupidity stupidity mean? Exactly. Not like our stupidity. I mean, let's say take for myself. People might think it's stupid or whatever, but like, I I think I have some thoughts that are not necessarily the smartest, but I also think some of the things I do, and maybe it's stupid's not the wrong word, but like childlike or kiddish. And I guess stupid's not, but. There, I feel like everybody, and me in particular, have done things or said things, and I'm looking back, and I'm like, oh, that was dumb. And it doesn't reflect on who you are as an actual person, I think is what I'm getting at. Can you give me an example of things that, that you said that you thought maybe was stupid? Because maybe you were trying to figure things out, or you were just testing them on for size or something. Something that I said that was stupid. I have too many of those to remember. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, maybe not, this is like a small example, but if you get like the name of your book wrong, like you're my mom, I should know the name of your book, like it feels not great, or not dumb, like I know I'm not dumb, and I know it's not stupid, and I know people are not, but yet when you make a mistake or something, it makes me inwardly feel. So, so interesting, so people can't really make mistakes, or else they feel inwardly stupid, as opposed to just the lessons on the journey to wherever they're going. I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling inwardly stupid, though, as long as you are not confused that that's the way you are. Because when I call myself dumb, it's more playful or, like, stupid. It's not because I think I'm dumb. Right. But but it is an interesting message that you keep giving yourself, though. Like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I'm so stupid. Like, those are subtle, and I think that they sound innocent, but they really affect us more than we think. Yeah. So I'm always watching kind of my inward chatter about what I say about myself in particular, because it, again, it sounds so innocent or we're just kidding with ourselves or just playing, but, but, but it does actually create some kind of reality or feeling of reality to it. Yeah. And the more you think that, the more you're going to be like, oh, the more you're going to believe it. Right. I mean, that's anything. Mm -hmm, True. The more you think about something. Very true. And the more I'm thinking about it, well, you're in Colombia. Whoa, what a transition. <laughs> Incredible. We're back when I'm with her, you know. It's, do you notice the transitions? It's a little more. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was a really smooth transition, actually. Yeah, I knew I liked it. my own transition. <laughs> <laughs> well, you knew. You were show. like, I think that this conversation is coming to an end, and we need to go on to a new one. Yeah, the one that she suggested three minutes ago. <laughs> because, I mean, that's what we're going to talk about. How, in reality, and I've talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I want to get her perspective that I'm not perspective of it mm-hmm. as well is as Americans or why are we even called Americans one of my friends brought it to my attention because there's North America and there's South America and yet we're the United States of America so we're Americans so why can't we be like why are we not like USers or something or staters or <laughs> I think some people call us USers I know in, in counseling we're USers hmm Never knew that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so as these people who come from the United States, we know very little about Colombia. Or to be fair, any part of the world that's not modern European countries, the U.S. sounds about right. Canada. Did I miss anything? Oh, Canada. That's it. We don't care much about Mexico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except the people who care about soccer. But now we got to be more concerned about Canada because they're better. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, all we cared about Mexico is the part of the land that we took from them. So. Oh, God. <laughs> we did that like a while ago, so we're good now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, maybe that's just a it's a pretty harsh reality. I mean, that's what I feel like I knew or the parts I knew, even if I felt like I knew more. And I took like a world history class or stuff and stuff. Maybe a little bit Israel. Mm, true. I mean, we do have ties to Israel, just, you know, being Jewish and having spent some time there. But the way I felt that learning about the world in the U.S., even in news, like, there are other wars going on so much, and they do get into the news, but this new war in Ukraine has been so much in the news every day when there have been wars going on in other parts of the world that don't necessarily claim the headlines. There was a soccer player who actually staged the protest, which... I don't know how I feel about this. I have to get my mind around it. And I think he's right, but I don't know if the best way is to not join. They were protesting against the war in Ukraine by wearing shirts. And this guy chose not to wear the shirt protesting the war in Ukraine because his thoughts were, uh, why are we only focusing on the war in Ukraine and Russia? And yes, the war in Ukraine is awful. He wasn't saying that that war is good or anything like that. Like, war is awful and we need to figure out something or something needs to happen but he's saying why are they focusing there and not on all wars throughout the world i think that's a really great point and i think what ends up happening is that for some reason and i don't know exactly why but they end up focusing on the ones that they want to manipulate our thinking about and somehow be more scared, more concerned than any other thing going on. I mean, I, I guess somehow they're relating it to Europe. I'm always a little bit concerned because there was a whole Cold War that happened in relation to Russia, somehow creating an enemy for us that, you know, was there, wasn't there, you know, some nuclear related you know, enemies, so on. So I don't know why they are completely just focusing on this war and not really on others. But there is some degree of manipulation that happens, especially with the media. But it's also, it's an important thing to focus on as well. 
So. Right. So I'm glad that they're focusing on it. So so the idea in my mind is that if we do focus on that, then maybe we'll have a better understanding of other ones and people will become conscious of it. And then all of us can think about these things a little bit better and it would fall down like a house of cards kind of thing. You know, so so it's it's not that focusing on it is bad. It's just there is a lot to focus on. But maybe yeah. focusing on this one will help us to think about other war-torn countries i think it's also that a lot of countries tend to have wars not necessarily maybe wars i'm not positive but like wars within themselves within their own countries Mm. and it doesn't necessarily concern i guess the u.s or the media in the u.s as much like civil wars like civil wars well we've gotten involved with many civil wars before that's for sure but generally it was for the benefit or the movement of whatever our interests were it was under the guise of protecting democracy. Right, right. Whatever we thought democracy was, which was not necessarily good for the people living in that country. Yeah. But I'm sure there was some other gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, the U.S. knows, or I personally coming from the U.S., don't feel like I knew much about other countries besides maybe a little bit of Europe and Canada. And so it's interesting coming to Colombia because what I hear about Colombia is that it's very dangerous and there's a lot of drugs. And yeah, that's about it. Is there anything that you thought before coming here? I mean, I know that you probably thought a little different, but is there anything else you heard about it and stuff? I I heard that the people were really friendly and they like to have a good time. And I had heard about the drugs and kind of civil unrest but I knew people that were from Colombia I worked with somebody that I was close to who was Colombian and so my thought always is that there are families living here and people raise children here so even though it might be dangerous on some level I didn't think it was going to be as dangerous as everybody somehow portrayed it to be and I think that the the drug cartels were happening probably in the 90s and 80s, maybe even a little bit less. And I think it's happening a lot less at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not that that's the only thing about the country. It's just the main thing that you hear, especially if you don't know many Colombian people. Right, right. So, yeah. But I, I think people are always worried about traveling in general, I find. Like somehow they're concerned when you travel, like just be safe or be careful. And it's interesting because we live in New York. So I just don't think about safety in that way. Like I'm not quite as worried about it because I couldn't worry about it in New York where some people are or else it would kind of impact my day-to-day life. And I really love speaking to people and getting out there and walking around and doing a lot of things. I think also people think that it's dangerous in particular when you talk about, I guess, so-called third world, third world countries. Mm. And I say so-called because even though Colombia, I looked it up, is technically a third world world country if you search on Google, there's still, I mean, to- and there's still like indoor plumbing and electricity and water and you can buy water. There's clean water in Bogota. There's buildings. Everybody has a phone. There's, I mean, not everybody has the best internet and stuff, but everything that you would pretty much need in a country, I think you have. I mean, the economy is not necessarily, I guess, as I as good as in other countries. It's what's classifying it. But I feel like there's everything here that I need more than enough. Yeah, 
I, I definitely feel that way too. I think part of it is how inexpensive things are. Like it, it's such a ridiculous amount of pesos to the dollar. And then we are not spending much money on things. Like the, the comparison amount of how much things are, are so much less. And I'm wondering, is like, is that a chicken and egg thing? I know it's a, it's a vegan podcast, but what came first? Is it a third world country and then things are less expensive or are things less expensive and they consider it a third world country? Well, there was rampant inflation mm. at one point mm. in the country. There's been a lot of corruption in the history. True. I mean, now there was a war until I think like 2015 or something, a civil war. Mm. That was it. Yeah, it was considered more, definitely more unsafe then. Right. But yeah, what was I saying? You were talking about Colombia being a third world country. Yeah. I was looking at the definition and it says a place that has violence, a place that has people living in poverty, a place that, you know, and all these things seem to happen in every country to me. Mm. So I just, I mean, I guess there are, there are definitely more rural areas that are less developed that I haven't been to. Mm. Yet there's that in the U.S. as well. Right. I mean, you definitely can go to small towns and different places around the United States. I mean, where I work in Alaska, I work in a small fishing village. There is incredible poverty there, food scarcity, inability. There's no plumbing. I have no running water in that village. We definitely have places in the United States that feel like third world countries. So what was the other part of the definition? I can't remember exactly. I'll I'll look it up. But... It's just a lot of, I think, perception by what countries want you to say. Uh, I mean, like, the U.S. Uh, consider- is a global superpower. Uh, is that debatable? I'm not sure. I think it's not. I don't think it's debatable, but I do think that global superpowers, and there have been many throughout history, will come and go. It was a term that was originally coined in times of the Cold War to distinguish those nations that are neither aligned with the West or with the East, NATO or the Communist bloc. So basically it sounds like all the countries that uh, the West wants to influence and kind of have modern imperialism with, I need to do more research on that. I know. That's so interesting. I've never heard that definition or, before. I've never heard this definition either. Uh, so it just sounds like it's a perception thing because I think that when I think of third world co- countries, I tend to think of it as a somewhat negative thing. I don't think it as, as um, uh, you know, as just a definition of who was aligned in a war. That's so interesting. But they're also using the de- definition of developing countries. So is it developing compared to European development? And because it was colonized later, it's just taking longer? Yeah, it's Or do we not put the resource in there? That's so interesting. I don't think there's a good definition. I can't really find a good definition. I don't know why I found a, like an easy definition, but I think it's an awful way to describe a country. About who they're aligned with? No, I mean the third world country thinking negatively. And it says uh, one thing I found was it refers to countries with high mor- mortality rates. Oh, that's interesting. So a less developed medical system. And high mortality rates. But I don't, I don't know. Is Cuba has a socialized medical system and a good one. And do we think of that as a third world country? I think we generally do, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I would think so without... Maybe that's my ignorance, but... That's so interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But I think when you're traveling to, let's say, 
South South America or Latin America. A lot of people have been calling it Latin, call it Latin America. I don't know uh-huh. what the difference is or if there's a difference. Uh huh. Yeah. What What does Latin mean? Like, I mean, when you think of the word Latin, you definitely think of, you know, the Latin language or whatever. So why is it Latin America? Like, mm-hmm. what What does that word mean? I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea what that means. But. Yeah. So interesting. It's interesting to me. But let's say you're traveling to these countries, or let's say I was traveling to Africa. Uh-huh. People would, I think, be more likely to say, stay safe than let's say I'm traveling to Europe. Right. That's probably true. And so, I just think traveling in general, like we tend to, you know, have a, a feeling that, that you want to make sure that people are safe, that you're, and I think it's really just about being in unknown surroundings. So you could live in a fairly unsafe neighborhood and still traveling to an unknown place feels like there's a danger. So based on this one thing I found on Google, which is definitely <laughs> the most correct thing you can find on Google. I mean, if it's on the first page... Uh, Britannica. I don't know how good that is. Uh, maybe I should look into my. Well, you know, Britannica's not bad. Yeah, like I mean, the encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. If I'm citing sources, you know, you can say and saying this is up for debate. This is where I get my shit from. <laughs> Can't really contradict me. Maybe there's better things out there. Let me know. Uh, you it can says, contradict him. You know, just yeah. write him and subscribe and rate and review and share. It says South America. It says it's the entire continent of South America, in addition to Mexico and Central America. So it sounds like it's all of the Americas except the U.S. and Canada. Right. Which makes sense. The U.S. and Canada is so different than the rest. But that's because it was colonized by the French and the English rather than the Spanish. I wonder what would have happened if the U.S. was colonized by Spain. Right. And we killed all the the people of color except the ones that we enslaved and brought over. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, part of it was that there was such a large indigenous population in Central and South America. And, you know, just Europe, Europeans just tend to be, I mean, racism is about European oppression of people of color. Mm-hmm. So, but you didn't answer the question. Why is it called Latin America? It says it's a romance language. And are the oh. romance languages based in Latin? I'm pretty oh, sure. that's so interesting. Well, I mean, why would they give that to Central and South America, though? Uh, because those are the Americas that speak Latin-based language. Oh, so they, they speak... And English is not a Latin-based language. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. I mean, there's definitely Maybe. some. That's so interesting. I'm well, not sure, but... My Google thumb is doing very well. It's very difficult to speak into this microphone while trying to type into my phone. Sorry. It's okay, though. Uh, but yeah, less to the point. Eh, so who cares? We're talking. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about Colombia being here? I'm kind of loving it. And the thing that I'm loving so much, first of all, the people are amazingly friendly and extremely helpful. And in Bogota, there were some areas that I might have felt a little bit unsafe only because everybody was telling me that it was unsafe. But um, but really, I've had the most wonderful time. But there's something about, especially because we're vegan, and so we might, we might make a, a little reference here, is that there are 400 varieties of tropical fruit here. And because it's a tropical climate, you know, which is fairly high elevation, a lot of rain, um, lots of greenery, those fruits are avail- available 365 days a year. So we are 
are eating the most amazing fruit I have ever eaten. And that's been fantastic. And we found a really good typical Colombian vegan restaurant, Mm -hmm. which was really wonderful. And Adam got a lesson in making an empanada. And we ate really beautiful vegan tamales. And it's just been fantastic. That might be on it. That will be on Instagram shortly. Uh, yeah, it's it's very difficult, I think, to find Colombian vegan food because the culture is very meat-centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the restaurants that I find that have vegan options and restaurants I eat at with my friends tend to just not be Colombian restaurants. Colombian food is, I think, more or less very simple. It's uh-huh. a lot of... It's like a menu of the day. So there's a soup and there's rice and there's like a protein and a salad. And you get a lot of food. I mean, maybe it's really good. Well, I don't know. I haven't tried the Right, the but meat. the protein is generally a meat-based protein. Exactly. So they're not like whipping out the tofu. And like the empanadas tend to be uh, all meat. You can find vegetarian arepas, but... Right, but the vegetarian arepa still has cheese in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the tamales. But this place, and so most of the other places I find that are vegan, don't necessarily have those Colombian foods that are vegan. Mm. This was was really a typical Colombian vegan restaurant. Shout out to La Campoteca. Was that the La name? Campoteca. Uh-huh. And Gloria was the one. Just like a little hole in the wall looked like every Colombian typical restaurant. I saw it. It was almost like, like an oasis of wonderfulness. I never even expected it. And I was like, no, there's no way that's a vegan restaurant, somebody had told me. It just looked like everything else. And it was like the best typical vegan food I have ever eaten. Now, I haven't eaten a lot of typical Colombian vegan food or typical Colombian non-vegan food recently, but I remember eating lots of enchiladas and empanadas. Enchiladas. I'm sorry, not enchiladas, uh, tamales and empanadas, and they t- this tasted better to me. Fresher, more interesting. It tasted really, really good. And they also sell the fake, uh, the seitan, and they sell dried shiitakes and, like, Asian noodles, and I was just so confused as to why this little place has this. But it all tasted delicious, so. Yeah, and now Adam's set up in his little town outside of Colombia, which has very few vegan options, uh, with at least some... Uh, It's in Colombia. It's just outside of Bogota. Thank you. Outside of Bogota. Uh, Just really set up with uh, kind of vegan proteins. Yeah, and we ate there almost every day. And the one thing that's interesting is... If you're listening to this from America and you think of tamales, you think of like Mexican tamales, the small things and the corn husks. And these are really big and it's nothing similar. I don't know how it's like a big amount of masa. And this one had fake meat and potatoes and beans and stuff. And they usually have beans. Most of them have chicken and they're wrapped in, I think, banana leaves or something. Yeah, it was huge. It was like the size of a volleyball, it seemed like to me. It was just really huge. These are massive, so they it's very massive. different than when I thought of tamales previously. Right, right. Well, maybe these are tamales and the others are tamales. Oh, do you think so? Possibly. I don't know. But it was really great. Or maybe a Colombian tamale is different than a Mexican tamale. It could be. Yeah. It's well, just delicious. Another thing from Colombia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of like, what do you like best about Colombia? 
I like uh, I like the fruits. I like the people. The people are really nice. Mm. Everybody's so friendly. I mean, this restaurant was pretty much our home. We left our suitcase, our, all our stuff there. Yeah, we when had we to went around. travel around after we uh, left the Airbnb, and we trusted them. Like, take our suitcase, please watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really really great. And it was fantastic and, and set up. Yeah. And I think the food is really good. I mean, it's surprising to me, even in this town, this little town I'm in, how good, like, the foreign food is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't try the Colombian food because it's not vegan, Mm -hmm. but there's, like, pretty good Asian restaurants. There's pretty good Italian restaurants. Yeah, we ate at one last night. It was really great. I don't understand. (laughs) And I'm wondering, like, are there... Chinese people or are there Italian people there? You know, have they expats? Exactly. Did they open that restaurant or was this kind of a Colombian version of something? Yeah. All I know is it tastes really good. And however it happened, maybe I just talked to the people. How did this place get to this town? Mm, Yeah, that would be great. Also, the other thing I did today, which was really great, is I visited where Adam works, which is a school. Uh, It's a school up to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. No, up to eighth grade. Up to eighth grade. And so Adam went to teach an eighth grade class and I went to talk to them to try to allow them to ask me questions in English. And everybody was so nice and it was really wonderful. They're really mature. Well, I don't know if mature is the right word. Mm. They're really smart and they know a lot of like really adult concepts yeah. and stuff. And I think it's the prevalence of social media and just how the world is now. Uh, because I know when I was, I guess that's when you where you get your information from. Because I mean, I was reading newspapers when I was their age, but I was reading the sports section. Yeah. <laughs> I think less people read newspapers at younger ages. Mm. However, now with social media, you can see everything you want to. So true. So true. Or everything in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else about Colombia you really want to share? I think that's all for now. I I touched on the things that I thought were really important and even a little vegan aspect for your podcast. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, surprising. The, one, the one thing that's surprising to me always or that surprises other people and surprised to you is the elevation in Bogota. Oh, my God. I could barely breathe. And originally, I didn't know there was that level of elevation. It's like 8,000 8, feet like 2500 meters she said or something yeah above sea level and i could barely breathe and i thought maybe it was because i'm really deconditioned or because i had covid but adam told me it was that we were that at that elevation and i really think it was it was partially the elevation it was really hard and that's why the temperature here is the way it is there's a rainy season a dry season but it really stays pretty temperate the entire year yeah in bogota Whereas mm. other parts of Colombia that are lower elevation are just so much warmer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was cool and, and really chilly at night, too. I didn't expect it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. So thanks for listening. This is uh, Adam and Nikki. Uh, Nikki, uh, has anything you want to share is coming out soon? No, I just, I, I love you all. And I have a podcast. If you want to tell your moms 
or dads about the podcast. It's the Teen and Tween Parenting Podcast. And my thought is that I really serve parents of, of kids up to the age of 26, just because they're really kind of launching and, and parents are still very nervous about them. It really helps them not worry. So if you've got a bunch of parents that are really worried and are anxious and somehow you don't want to manage all their their drama, then then have them listen to my podcast. And thanks for listening to us. Uh, please like, subscribe, review the podcast. Tell a friend. That would be amazing. Or if you have any questions, let me know. Follow me on Instagram, at ReluctantVeganSon. Gonna have to change the Instagram if I change the name. Yeah, you'll have to change everything. But be on the lookout. So have a great week. All bye, right. Guys. Bye, guys.